Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Backseat GM Podcast. I'm Ben Rauman. I'm Zach Mustache Sperduti. We're the Stash Bros. We, uh, we both decided to you know, put our dignity aside and grow out the stashes. Stephen Adams and his canter. The dynamic duo. You're looking Absolutely. good, Zach. It's a little... Oh, you're looking better, Ben. Zach's got the little natural part in his stash right under his nose where it looks like he, like, tried to shave it, but it's actually just, like, his hair doesn't grow there. So it's like he's got the little... The twin... The twin, uh... Twin two waterfalls, right? Yeah. <laughs> two caterpillars out both sides of the <laughs> upper lip. Yeah. It's looking good. It's looking good. I like it. Ben's got the like the absolute wall across it, like the classic cartoon mustache you see, just like a just like a brush. You just it's like a absolute unit of a brush. A wall. So yeah, yeah. Two varying um, styles, but they have the same impact, and it's it's greatness. That's right. Um, <laughs> so it's the uh, Stan Van Gundy mustache, the wall. <laughs> We're going to build a fucking wall. (laughs) Uh, Let's start off with my personal favorite uh, segment of the show. The part of the show where we talk about a beer we picked and popped this week. Crafty beers or crafty hops with sneaky athleticism. The Kevin McHale. Zach. Ben, do you feel like this... This segment is damaging to the to the viewers and listeners under twenty one and our pod our pod circle. I feel like you know, it's just a our, bad our, our, our video games, you know, violent video games bad for the children of America. Well, they don't destroy their liver. So we've got the explicit content warning on the podcast. They know what they're getting into. <laughs> Listen, a kid can go into a movie that's PG-13 and there can be smoking in it and drinking in it. What is it? I think, this is, this is, I think this is a PG-13 podcast. All viewers under the age of 13, parent discretion is advised. I love how you describe like a 1940s like silent film. Everyone just smoking a pipe. Smoking, and, like, smoking a cigar. Slinging a whiskey back. Yeah. Smoking smoggies. Yeah, you know. Some drug use. That's the, you know. That's always the label underneath certain movies. <laughs> it's always like some drug use, and it's like a cigarette or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe they're drinking uh, coffee. Maybe they are. I think you know. I'm going into this segment just a little wary. I just don't want any of the listeners thinking every time you talk about basketball, you have to have a beer. I mean. Uh, we do, but it's not like it's not like we drink beer every day. It's like every other day or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't have beer. Anyway, uh, everyone, uh, Kevin McHale. Um, actually, I went tonight. It's on Untapped. Check me out. So um, I'm having the Maduro, which is uh, from Sakar City Brewing Company. So it's kind of a very topical from what we talked about just two minutes ago about smoking and alcohol. Like we'll we'll combo. Wow. Um, so check me out on tap there. Brown ale, unlike any I've ever tried. Usually brown ale, you get the malty, you get the nutty a little bit. This one was like, 
chocolatey, roasty, and coffee-like. It was very, it was very stout forward, if you will. So um, I need to do a little bit more research about it if I if I give a shit. Um, what make why they labeled the stout over a nail, um, but it tasted very, um, very roasty and chocolatey, which is more stout-like than any brown ale I've ever had. It was good. Sounds good. Uh, I also had a darker beer, but it's not the classic darker beer you think of. Um, this one is called Bourbonic Plague from Cascade Brewing, and it's a sour porter. Um, I've had one sour porter before, and it was like a Belgian, I think. Um, but anyway, uh, this one was like a much better version. I, I rated it like a 4.25 on Untapped. Um, but it was aged in wine and bourbon barrels. You could definitely like taste like the acidic wine flavor and then like the burn of the bourbon on the way down. Um, but it had like a kind of complex like cinnamon and date flavors going throughout, um, which were good. And like it's more like more of a full body than a typical sour would be. Um, and like you can kind of detect that it's got that porter body, but it doesn't really have any other characteristics of porter like that I can taste from like what I'm used to, like peanut butter porters or dessert porters or you know the thicker coffee or chocolate notes that you typically get. Um, but it was good. It was interesting. Um, the wine and the bourbon was like a very interesting mix with like the fruit and stuff. So. I was a big fan of it. Um, definitely would recommend to anybody. I got it my local total one, so nice. Sounds like a cornucopia flavors. It was a cornucopia. Is that cornucopia? Yeah, it's copia, isn't it? The the airballing of grievances is up next. The part of the show where Zach and I talk about something we need to get off our chest this week. Zach, what's your airballing grievance? You know, I, I'm not trying to do a breakdown of every single segment we do, but it just pops in my head. It seems like we complain to each other almost every night about something that's going on in our lives. But when we put pen to paper, that's the last thing we do in preparation for this podcast. And luckily, I have one. I have low-hanging fruit. Last time I talked about Texas is uh, leadership. I'm not going to make this as political as last week, but it's just it's just kind of frustrating to live in a state where um, the governor doesn't care about a mask order. Um, so, you know, I, I – inquired to my primary care about vaccines distribution recently and she was like we had two weeks ago we had five million out of the 30 million texans are, are vaccinated so that's actually a pretty damn good number and we just passed two million vaccinations today in the united states which is uh, a, a day record for us so i think there's so much progress being made and uh, johnson johnson just came out with a single dose vaccine um and i just think it's uh, way too fucking early yeah, it's pretty dumb considering uh, we just got, like, a report that vaccines will be available to pretty much everybody by the end of May, according to Biden. So, like, right. just have to wait two more months. Like, why open everything? Like, you're the only state that's done this. Like, why just forego all CDC recommendation and reopen the entire state all at once right away. Like two months before the vaccine is supposed to be widely available. Like it doesn't make any sense to me. Nope. 
yeah, Greg at it, and he said it with his chest too on Twitter. He was like, "Oh yeah," he's oh, real yeah. proud announcing it. Um, and you, so you see the people, your people from high school, just posting like celebratory like this, <laughs> and like the signs of being just like like quote tweeting that, and I was just like, uh, "Finally, it, freedom yeah. reigns." <laughs> I saw a lot of those, but. Uh, yeah. Um, my so airballing, my airballing a grievance this week. Uh, it's a, more of a basketball note. Um, kind of more specifically a Bucks thing. You know, I'm a Bucks fan, and I'm sure quite a few listeners of this podcast follow the Bucks because <laughs> that's kind of my uh, that's my wheelhouse here. But uh, it must be exhausting to be Mike Budenholzer apologist on Twitter at this point. Oh, um, oh. I'm, I'm getting sick of the constant, and it's, I feel like it's by a group specifically that have, you know, some of the bigger accounts, they, they like to, they like to apologize for him on a consistent basis, like, look, he has changed things, and look, he's, you know, he's done this and that, and the books have looked, you know, awful in spurts this year. Their defense is... You know, it sank from top in the league to down to, like, number 15, 16 overall. You know, they're not utilizing players in the way that they should. Mike Budenholzer's never been a good rotations guy. He's playing Thanasis Antetokounmpo real minutes on a nightly basis, you know, now. Um, he's not playing Tory Craig, who the Bucks were fortunate enough to sign uh, as a rotation player. He's playing Pat Connaughton in crunch time minutes. You know, he's – the scheme itself has just – the league has caught up to it. And for whatever reason, you know, players are shooting so much better from the field this year. We've seen it across the league. Players like, you know, Zach Levine and Julius Randle and, you know, even the superstars are, you know, shooting at an insane clip in addition to the role players. And, you know, the Bucks sell out protect the paint scheme, the Bucks no longer have the personnel to make that scheme work on a nightly basis. Like, Brooke Lopez has lost three or four steps this year. You know, he's not contesting shots at the same rate that he was the previous two years. He's not even hitting threes at a great clip this year either. Um, a little bit better than last year, but that was like not saying much at all considering he shot like 32% from three or something like that. Um, you know, he, Bud, to his credit, has done a little bit of switching here and there, but, you know, a lot of it is at the, you know, Drew Holiday has been huge in changing the scheme defensively in a lot of areas. Like, he convinced Budenholzer to switch and adjust on more than one occasion. You know, there was a last-minute play a couple nights ago where, you know, the Bucks drew up this play to get Giannis a great look, and they beat the Clippers. Uh, Giannis dumped it, you know, at the end of the game, and it was a great play design. Uh, Drew Holiday was getting the ball in. and It was a travel. It was a travel. Giannis, it was not a travel. Open your eyes. It was a clear travel. Boom, boom, Gather boom. step one, two. You, you can't it's gather off. He didn't dribble. He didn't dribble. You, dribble. you can gather on the catch, the catch of the ball. Read the rule book. You can't take read a, the rule book. This is in college. A giant step. Like he was standing still. He it took wasn't a like shuffle a and then he took one two. 
That you take the shuffle as the gather and then one two. Shuffle. Yes, as you go as sport. you catch the ball and you take your like first gather, and then you take one two. It's not that hard. People do it every single night. It's just hilarious to me how people he, still he say that Giannis travels. He wasn't moving. He took. He was standing still. Then, if he, you he take a step had, without dribbling, they call that travel every time. He was cutting, and he caught the pass, and then he took one two. He, he was, was cutting he was, the top. He was at the top of the key. Yeah. He was at the three point line. Yeah, he was not and cutting. he took one two from the three point line and dunked it. One, two, That's what he can do. He's done it for the past six seasons. He can do it. He do it. the point. Can you, you let me finish what I was gonna say? Instead of just undercutting for some bullshit. I'm not undercutting your overall point. I'm just undercutting a, a little a little bullet point. No, it's fucking stupid. You did not fucking travel. <laughs> Read the fucking two minute report. That's your fucking. I should not have to do this. Do not have to travel. Wear a mask. Wear a mask. you travel. Your what I was God. going to say is the play was awesome, and people were giving Budenholzer credit. Turns out Drew Holiday called the play. He drew it up. Yes, he drew it up out of a timeout and. They executed it. Like, Bud has not drawn up a single good out-of-timeout play, I don't think, in the past two years. <laughs> like, it's always give Chris Middleton a contested three-point look, you know, at the yeah, end of like, two over, seconds left. Are you talking about the one over Boston? I'm talking about any any fucking play where the Bucks are, like, in a close game and they need to get a bucket. It's like... Let's pass it to Giannis at the top of the key, make him make a jumper, or pass it to Chris Middleton in double coverage. That's the two plays that Bud draws up. It's just, he, if he does not get the Bucks at least to the conference finals this year, he's gone. And I would argue that if he doesn't oh. get him to, like, I would argue if he doesn't get him to the finals this year, like, you need to take a good, hard look at what the options. What if he takes the Nets to seven? What if he takes the Nets to seven? It's a hard-fought series, and you show that you have adjusted and you, like, are actually, you know, doing your job as a coach and drawing up plays, doing good rotations, like, adjusting the scheme to the personnel on both ends, like, for the Nets and the Bucks. Like, he hasn't shown that in the playoffs. He hasn't shown that period for most of the regular – like, his scheme relies on math, and when – Teams tighten up and decide to focus on your weaknesses for a seven-game series. He's toast. He's blood in the water. That's why the Bucks lost to the Miami Heat last year. Like, come on. Hey, he's a coach of the year. I'm done with you. <laughs> <laughs> Look, no, I mean, just a few responses to that. You know, one of the first things I noticed when I was watching the Bucks this year, and I'm not watching all their games, was how slow Brook looked. Like I've been, I've been, I've had some cold takes this year, but one of my takes was Brooks. Brook was like the, one of the people who benefited the least from the shorter and off season. I don't know what happened, but looks like he's got three trunks for legs out there. Yeah, and like you're talking about how your the scheme is maybe Brook just doesn't work in that scheme anymore. He's not getting to his spots as much, and um, but. I thought, like, I just felt like the Bucks have been playing better the last couple of weeks, but um, it's still not to their elite potential like they were last year. They almost lost to the Grizzlies tonight. Like, it it obviously hurts not having Drew Holiday in the lineup for the past like couple of weeks, but like the Bucks were playing poorly before that. Yeah, it's 
like when you have Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo on your team, you know, you should look better defensively than you do right now. Like the offense, it's been great. Yeah. But defensively, like come on. Maybe it's time to bring time to bring Bledsoe back. He can sure that defensive presence on the wing. Let's move on to uh I'm just kidding. We'll transition to other notable news after their ball grievances. Report by Heat Nation. Jimmy Butler was chosen to be an all-star, Ben, but refused to attend a game. We refused to attend a game without Bam out of bio. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, Zach reading my notes off the cuff. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, what I was going to say is Butler has played just 21 of the possible 33 games in the season. And they're shooting 44.2% from the field, only 22% from three. Only 20.1 points per game. But here, 6-17. and 17. Does he deserve an all-star spot? Yeah, this was uh, a report that Heat Nation on Twitter posted. They're a site, I think, for SBN or uh, fan site. I can't remember which. It was a Heat site, fan-run site, um, speculating that the reason Jimmy Butler was not on the roster for the All-Star game was because Bam Adebayo was not picked as an All-Star. And so Jimmy Butler decided to, um, you know, turn in his card and not go to the game <laughs> without his teammate. We <laughs> confirmed that this was uh, impossible for him to do under the collective bargaining agreement and was, in fact, false. Um, a player cannot just not opt out of the all-star game for a reason that's not like health related or something like that. Uh, So, or like a personal reason that's deemed, you know, acceptable by Adam Silver himself. So this was kind of a funny excuse by Heat Nation to uh, have Jimmy Butler out of the all-star game. Um, Do you have any thoughts, Zach? No, I mean you have you put up great you have great stats here. I mean he's not having a great year. The Heat are underperforming compared to compared to last year. Um, if you go to take a, the Lakers to six games, you expect to be, you know, at least top five where you were, uh, maybe top four, top three. You should be in the conversation. But then again, the East was a little shaken up last year, and um, the Heat were on a, a special kind of run. And I don't think a lot of people expected them to duplicate, but um, you know. Uh, I mean, who would he, who would Butler have made it over? I mean, he's not going to make it over, obviously, Beal or Irvin. He's not going to make it over Simmons. Um, he's not having I mean, a spectacular season. Heat are underperforming. Like, what? What's Bam, the maybe over Sabonis? But Sabonis is having a great year. I mean, I don't, I don't really. Yeah, but would he make it over like Chris Middleton? Chris Middleton's shooting way better from the field. He's averaging similar like stats. Like, Middleton had a great first month and kind of fell off, but he's still having a better season than Butler is. He's having 20.6 points, 6.1 boards, 5.7 assists, which is a career-high assist by over an assist per game. He's shooting yeah. 53.8% from the field, 43.5% from deep, and 89.6% from the free-throw line. So 0.04% off, 40-90. The Bucks are third there. in the East. That would that would you know if he's fifty forty ninety that's something to consider but I think Butler's heart put gives him that extra one percent. He's point oh four away from fifty forty ninety. 
let's get to some other news before we get to the all-star rosters, which we're going to talk about in a little bit here. Um, Danny Ainge was quoted on a podcast, or actually it was a radio show that he hopped on. I think it was like a Boston outlet. I uh, said, you know, we're talking and we're trying to do some things. We've been close a couple times. Um, Danny I haven't Ainge, heard that before. Yeah. Have you heard this one before? Uh, the GM who cried trade? <laughs> almost had um, Michael Jordan. Almost had Anthony Davis, but I didn't want to give up Marcus Smart. Mm. Almost probably changed a lot of retirement, but <laughs> he was asking for $5 million and I only could offer him four million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the Celtics, uh, let's see, what's their record now? They were under five hundred the last time I checked. Uh, yeah. They're definitely, yeah. definitely struggling. Kimba's gone, right? Kimba's gone? Kimba's gone? Like, you mean he's he's out of Boston after this year? I, I mean, out of, out of this trade deadline. Could be. I mean, I don't think that he is – I mean, he underperformed in the playoffs in a major way last year. He's an undersized oh, yeah. guard. They don't typically do well in a playoff and setting. And Tatum – it has the ball in his hands so much more now, and Jalen Brown's going to have the ball so much more in his hands now. Like, Kimba yeah. doesn't really fit in as much. Especially uh, when he's yeah. not shooting great. Um, Celtics are 19-17 and 17 now, so they actually improved a couple spots uh, since I last looked. Um, but they were, like, hovering around sixth seed. Now they're the fourth seed. Um, so two games over 500. Um, there's a video recently that came out it was Jason Tatum giving a post-game interview following a loss and in the background you could hear stuff being thrown around the locker room and yelling and then you hear Brad Stevens being like hey hey guys stop <laughs> so uh so Kyrie, don't. Kyrie, Kyrie Irving was the problem apparently <laughs> Not that he's Kyrie gone. Irving's ghost everything's oh just, apparently <laughs> everything's just peachy well, I mean, you look at the Nets, they're, uh, they don't seem to be doing half bad, even with Kevin Durant out. <laughs> if Kyrie played like he did the first 18 games with the Celtics, like all of his time with the Celtics, then they'd be a great team. But he went from like one of his most efficient stretches of his career to like, oh, I'm going to shoot the ball on every possession and make sure we lose against the Bucks. And not I'm, talk- even, like, I'm talking there. strictly from a locker room perspective, though. Like, I mean, Kyrie. Oh, obviously I'm talking about on the floor. I'm talking about from a locker room. Ten percent for the field when you're up one zero, and you're there up two zero on you, weren't they? Obviously, the Celtics are still having problems now. Like with him gone, they have Kemba Walker, who is a great locker room guy by all means. Like, what's he's, really going he's, on? He's a terrible locker room guy. Can Brad Everyone Stevens? Talks. Can Brad Stevens not control his own locker room? No matter who's, uh, in, who's who's the guy is causing trouble here, like. You would give your left nut for Brad Stevens to be coaching the Bucks right now. I, no, like yeah, no, I wouldn't. When when has Brad about, Stevens done anything in the playoffs? When has he done anything? He oh, took no. the Cavs to seven games. Oh, he took the Cavs to seven games. Well, put that on a banner in Boston. Why not? They, are, they have enough banners already. They don't need a fucking banner. That. Look, 20, 2016, we took the Cavs to seven games. Oh, it's not a nice story. Put it on the banner. They don't have banners to hang up. 
I'm just saying, what has he done since he has gotten to Boston? He's a damn good coach. Have they made the finals once? Has Jason improved? Has Jalen Brown improved? There's something to be said for that. You're going to put that all on Brad Stevens and not on the fact that they're great top five picks? I'm not saying like they're great. They are great players. Towards number three in the draft, like obviously they're going to. Be I'm not made. saying they they were good, they were good players, but there was a time in there where we were like, is Jason Tatum like? There was a time in there where Jason Tatum wasn't playing his best ball, but that doesn't mean it's anything for Brad Stevens or Jason Tatum. It'd be probably a combination of both, and probably more on the side of Jason Tatum, just putting the work in in the off season. The Brad point. Stevens, the point is, Brad Stevens Brad has Stevens plenty still. of warts, though. Like his playoff scheming and his playoff like resume is not up to par. Like I would consider a, it being pretty much a lateral move between him and Budenholzer at this point for the Bucks. If That's the Bucks are moving like it doesn't seem like. I mean, he's obviously one of the better coaches. So is Budenholzer, but he hasn't made it work with like plenty of talent, plenty of like opportunity. I mean, they took the, the, the they played the Heat last year, right? They would have lost to the Bulls in the first round if Rondo didn't get hurt. Are we talking about like four years ago? I'm talking about his when, entire when the playoff were up, were up What has he done for his entire playoff he resume? The, he beat the Bucks. Yeah, once with Joe Prunty as head coach and Thon Maker, the starting <laughs> center. Give me a fucking break, Zach. <laughs> You're telling me, okay, so when did Brad Stevens turn from being a top five coach to being like a, a bot? Like a, a People were coach. super impressed by Brad Stevens because of what he did with Isaiah Thomas, and they've never let that go. That's like his crowning achievement. The offense oh. that he was able to put together with a ca- supporting cast of, you know, solid role players that, you know, performed above their skill level. Like, he had a lot of guys that outperformed, you know, what they were talent-wise in a lot of cases, and then they went off to get bigger contracts elsewhere. And so he was known for being a guy who did a lot with less. And then he got more, and he didn't do anything more with what he had. Since I, he, took, he took the Cavs to the Easter Conference. He took them to the Easter Conference Finals in back-to-back years. And what happened? He didn't do anything against the Cavs. I mean, obviously it's LeBron. Seven so game series. So fine. And LeBron, uh, they, they were winning since, in the fourth quarter, and the team just went cold because LeBron. What's he done since LeBron went to he the went West? To the he went to the Easter Conference Finals last year. And lost. And they should have won this. Yeah, they, and they should have won, but I think it was just the Heat were on a, on a different level that year. They they beat they beat the Bucks in five five games. No one really expected that. And then they the Celtics. It was a series the whole way with a fluke three pointer in Game Four. I don't, I saw like he's a, a ter- I think he's a much better coach than than Bud is. I'm not saying that Brad Stevens is as good as he wants. I don't think he's a much better coach. Or, I'm saying it'd be more of a lateral move than anything, in my opinion. Really? Like, yes. Brad Stevens, I think he's probably the most overrated top echelon coach in the league. I think, if anything, he's underrated. I think people have – he's they fallen were, out of favor with a lot dude. of people. Like, I don't think anybody argues that he's like a – like, people you were, people were like, are you going to trade, like, uh, your number one draft – to how many draft it was, number one draft picks? Would you rather Stevens? have Giannis like, Antetokounmpo or Brad Stevens on your team? Yeah, he's not underrated. I'm saying now he's under because they were saying that before. They were overrated them before, and now they're underrating them now. He was definitely overrated I, at one point. Like, no one in their right mind would trade a coach for a player 
like that. He's not fucking Phil Jackson in 2004. Or Brad Popovich. What is it? A lot of people still think Brad Stevens is like a top two coach in the league, and that's just not true. Absolutely the fuck not. That's not true either. He's around top seven, Number top six. Six, yeah. Exactly. Bud is like, so Bud is like number this seven. This is what we always been. This is the crux of Ben and I's relationship over the last four, last three and a half years. We argue for an hour about a point when our points were like, just, just a, like a one percentage point off, and we're going to argue about it. We're like, I'm like, oh, he's probably top maybe six or seven. You're like, yeah, he's like, yeah, six or seven. I know. Well, you're you're acting like <laughs> we're not even argue about we're arguing about the same thing because you are acting like Brad <laughs> Stevens is like this god tier to coach, and then I say that he's not, and you're like, well, no, yeah, he's he's like I was just saying, you're always like the devil's he's advocate. The, I'm just saying he's the upgrade over Bud is all I was saying. He's not though. He's like he's That's on the same tier as Bud. Oh, he's Bud's in like a bronze tier, and he's like in the next tier above 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 Bud. Bud is a system coach. Oh, oh, okay, pal. <laughs> and Brad Stevens is an assistant coach. Because Brad's more of a players coach. He lets the players. Oh, just that's, a that's game. why all of his locker rooms always have you know a bunch of right. player meetings that when they're you know complaining about what's going on in the locker room. Player meetings, because players yeah. know it's on them. It's on them. So oh my god! I'm not even gonna argue with this. You're just being a dick on purpose. Um, no, I, I, so no, I am. Not the larger point is the Let's Celtics. The Celtics. We're talking about doing stuff. They there's a leaked report by you know some website that they're going after Jeremy Grant or Nikola Vucevic. I don't think they have the assets or. The, at least the assets they're willing to give up for either of these players at this point. They've spent a bunch of their draft assets already as actual draft picks um, by not trading them. Uh, not trading. The war chest. The war chest, yeah, has turned into Pey- Peyton Pritchard. I think that's his name. Um, <laughs> a couple big shots. Yeah. Um, but Jeremy Grant, like, who are you going to trade to get Jeremy Grant? And why do you need a Jeremy Grant? You have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Jeremy Grant doesn't fit, but Nikola fits. Yeah, but, I mean, are you going to spend a ton? Like, it would take a lot to get Nikola Vucevic. Are you going to spend that much to get a center? Kimba and Robert Williams. Danny, you need to tell you he'd take that in a heartbeat. I mean, they've got Tice. they've They've got Robert Williams. They've got, like, a solid, like, three center rotation there. Like... They have other needs, I feel like, that are stronger. The center? Like, I, think, yeah, I, I think so. I think, I think they need an upgrade at point guard. They need a better guy than Kemba to go where they need to go, I think. Like, they need a guy who can be that initiator, that floor general type player. Yeah. Like, they need a Chris they need, Paul. They need, Rondo. they need a Rondo. <laughs> yeah, they need 2011 Rondo. Back when the league didn't rely on three counters. Trade Kimba to the to the Hawks for uh, Rondo and a, and, a, and, a, and Trey Young first. <laughs> and Trey Young. <laughs> I think the center's more. Uh, what's interesting is okay, maybe a good point guard, but Tice is a better defender than Nicola, and they don't really need more offense per se. I think they need better offense though, like clutch time. Situations like Jason Tatum, baby. Jason Tatum, he is really good, but 
at the same time, he doesn't quite have, like, that playmaking for others skill that you kind of need in that top dog player. Um, Super score first. He score first, and sometimes he's streaky. He's been a little streakier this season than he was last year. Um, So... I don't know. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they do a lot of the same things really well, especially Jalen Brown this year. Um, You know, Jalen Brown has improved his shooting off the dribble tremendously, and um, but they both don't really have that level of playmaking for others, I think, that you really need. Um, And Kemba, you know, in theory, could be more that guy, but he's more of a score-first point guard anyway. And he's undersized and kind of disappears into the background in the playoffs. So I just think they have greater needs than a center. I mean, center obviously has been something that they've talked about a lot in recent years, but I don't think you want to throw all of your assets at the wall for Nikola Vucevic, especially with, like, Brooke Lopez being – you know, the league kind of going away from him this year a little bit more. and Undervalued. Vucevic isn't the defender that Lopez is, even in his current form. So, I don't know. Yeah, and with, you know, with, I think with Marcus Smart coming back potentially after the All-Star break from his calf injury, you know, I think they have the they can, they can have the guard depth, I think. Mm-hmm. I think they can, you know. But I think I think Kimba, you're right, needs to, needs to go. So, Kimba needs to go. Um, and maybe they could package something for a defensive center, maybe like a Clint Capella. Yeah, but, you know, the fact of the matter is that, you know, do you really see Danny Ainge making a move? <laughs> or is, it all, or is make, it all smoke and mirrors, you know? Trying to make a move since he left the Celtics for the Suns in 1989. Hiding after Anthony Davis for two and a half years until he missed the boat and he went to the Lakers. So that would have been a good fit, huh? <laughs> been pretty nice. Yeah. LeBron would have missed the playoffs last year. So let's move on. Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown for for Anthony yeah. Davis, but Danny Ainge didn't want it. And then Tatum's playmaking probably would have gone up much more with having AD as a role man instead of Ennis Cantor. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> um, let's move on to the All Star selections uh, this year. So. Um, the teams were recently picked today, uh, Team LeBron and Team Durant. Um, let's list out, you know, the players that made it, um, and then the players that didn't, maybe, first. Uh, so the starters, uh, Giannis, Bradley Beal, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, uh, Kevin Durant as an asterisk. He's not actually going to play, but he was named a starter initially with voting. Uh, Joel Embiid, Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, and Kawhi Leonard. The reserves, uh, Jalen Brown, Anthony Davis, Paul George, Rudy Gobert, James Harden, Zach Levine, Damian Lillard, uh, Donovan Mitchell, uh, Chris Paul, Julius Randle, Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum, Nikola Vucevic, Zion Williamson, and then uh, Sabonis got in as an injury replacement for KD. So, pretty solid group. Um, a lot of these guys definitely having really good seasons. Um, Nikola Vucevic, I think, was kind of a fringe guy. Uh, Sabonis is kind of a fringe guy. Um, I don't know how 
you know, how close of a fringe guy that, like, Julius Randle would have been. But, you know, I suppose because the Knicks are higher up in the East this year than somebody gets credit for that. He's having a good year, like, no doubt. Um, He's having a really good year. So not taking anything away from him. Um, So where do you think Middleton fits in? I think Middleton should have made it over Vucevic. I think he could have made it over Sabonis. Um, I think he could have made it over Simmons. Simmons is not having his best year by any stretch. Um, it's, it's more of a beat show. But Simmons is playing a lot better defense than he has in the past. Yeah, he is. But it's not an all-defensive team. It's an all-star team. So. I mean, it's both, obviously. Um, it's, it's definitely both, both sides of the ball. But, um, I mean, Simmons... He's having, he's, he's having a fine season. <laughs> he's uh, averaging 16 points per game, 7.6 assists, 7.9 rebounds, um, shooting 28.6% from three on you know probably less than 10 attempts. The Charles Barkley numbers right there. Um, 67% from the line, uh, true shooting percentage of 61%, uh, 1.6 steals, 0.7 blocks. 3.4 turnovers. Um, he's having a solid season. He's just kind of passive. 16 points per game doesn't really jump off the page uh, for a guy like him, what he's supposed to be. Um, he's just, you know, kind of in and out on a night-to-night basis, I feel like, in the box scores. He's um, been like that. He's been like this. So one night like he goes 30, 10, and 10, and, and the next night he can go zero, zero, like zero for one from the field. I feel like last After, year he was much more consistent on a nightly basis. He kind of, I feel like he's taken a step back at least offensively this year. Um, but you know, Middleton's averaging point oh four away, like we said before, from fifty forty ninety, <laughs> like twenty and a half, six and five point seven, basically six. Um, you know, the Bucks are third in the East. Obviously, the Sixers are first. Um, but I don't know. The thing that bothers me more, like, Simmons, fine. He can, you know, squeak in at the end. But Vucevic, like, the Magic are, I think they're 13th in the East right now. You know, Vucevic is having a fine season. But, you know, the stats for Middleton are pretty comparable, um, if not better in a lot of ways, than him. And, you know, the Celtics got two All-Stars being at, like, fifth in the East when they were picked, um, sixth in the East when they were picked, and the Bucks are third in the East and they get one All-Star. Like, we got to pick and choose. Does Giannis have no help or does he have, you know, a decent amount of help? Because if he has no help, then that should strengthen his MVP case. If he has <laughs> oh, no, he can't a wait. lot of help, Bro. then he, they should at least have two All-Stars, you know? Oh, he can't win three in a row now. I'm not saying he should win or that he can win, but, you know, he's having a top five MVP caliber season right now, for sure, at the very least. I, he started off slow, but he's, he's been he had a monstrous run in there, and he's still playing really well. So, to be honest, I think, I don't know, maybe it, was, it wasn't playing as much. It's it's also he's probably new players. He's got mostly new roster and, yeah. you know, um, Kind of hard, harder to get in rhythm when your defense is let, giving up that many points, you know, too. Yeah. So that's part of it. 
new personnel, slightly new offense. Um, but yeah, let's move on though to the quick, team picking. I, saw, I was just looking at uh, Nicola's numbers. So he's averaging, he's having a hell of a year offensively, like mm-hmm. 25, he's averaging 25, 12, and four, basically. Um, 48% from the field and 41% from three. Yeah. I mean, he's having a hell of a year. And uh, one thing about, but he's a negative eight net rating. Mm-hmm. And um, Middleton has a uh, positive six net rating. So totally different players on the other side of the ball. And it's a team so, stat. Net rating is a team stat, to be fair. It's a team but stat. But when like you're you said, 14, the Bucks defense 14, is going down. Yeah, they're 14th out of 15 teams in the East right now. They're looking at 13 and 23. Beal was stripped of an all-star last year when he was the leading scorer. And that was a snub. Yeah, I, I think it was a snub too. But you know, at the same time, how often is an all-star picked on a bottom four team ever? Vucevic is like he's a center, so he's obviously going to get rebounds. Like twelve rebounds is really good. Um, you know, he's averaging a lot of assists for a center at like nearly. You said four. Three three point seven assists. Three point seven assists. Okay, so you know he's having a. Really good year, really good offensive year. Um, he's also the only guy, basically, that they can rely on for offense. He's basically their heliocentric player. I think I, I watched last um, last year's playoffs. It was fun to watch. It was, a, it was fun to watch, and I was really rooting for the Magic to, to upset the Bucks because of obvious reasons for your disappointment as well as Noah's disappointment or Noah's enjoyment. Um, good for him that way. Nicola's first game, that first half, was one of the best basketball, one of the best centers exhibitions of basketball I've seen in recent memory. Oh, he plays he insane was, against the Bucks. He loves uh, Jaden Holzer's drop coverage. It's, it's yeah, yeah, exactly. That's eighteen footers, dude. He was just drilling them. Yep, and it was beautiful to watch. But then, you know, obviously, you can't keep that up over a seven game series. He's not a, he's not an all time player. But it's uh, it's pretty insane what he can do against the Bucks, especially against. You know, their drop coverage, they're just giving him wide-open shots consistently, and that's his bread and butter. So, yep. you know, he's a, he's a three-level scorer. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I don't think he deserves an all-star nod this year, personally. Um, that's fair. You know, just from where his team is ranked and then the similarities in statistical numbers between him and Middleton, at the very least, um, you know, I think Sabonis, you know, he's he's uh, having a pretty solid season too, and he's averaging way more assists than Vucevic. But I mean, either way, um, let's move on to the team picking. Uh, so, Team LeBron, Team Durant, they both chose their guys. Um, it seems a little lopsided. It reminds me of the Giannis uh, versus LeBron picks uh, last year. Where yeah. Gian- Giannis kind of picked like a weird weirdo team a little bit. Uh, he picked a lot of first year guys. He picked Middleton as his first uh, his first uh, guy coming off the bench. Um, but so here's the starters for each team. So with Team LeBron, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, LeBron obviously, Giannis, and uh, Nikola Jokic. So if you think about that starting five there, that's Insane just the guy. Same. Yeah. Jokic is like probably the front runner for MVP by most people's you know metrics this year. Uh, 
And then you have, obviously, Giannis and LeBron. There, but, yeah. Embiid's definitely Embiid. up there, but I think I think Jokic personally edges him out right now. Anyway, Team Durant, Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal, Kawhi Leonard, Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid. Um, so, obviously, Kevin Durant not in there. That gives them a disadvantage from the start, kind of, because, you know, one of the captains is going to be there, one of them isn't. But... I feel like Durant could have done a little bit better here, uh, you know, <laughs> from a pitching perspective. Um, well, LeBron, I saw, I saw LeBron shows Giannis first. That was the thing, is that Giannis, LeBron was smart about this because he knew that Durant had to pick Kyrie. So instead of picking, like, Steph first or someone else first, he picks Giannis first, which is Giannis is insane in an all-star game. It's, like, perfect for Giannis. So then Durant has to pick Kyrie. And then... LeBron can have like it's like it's perfect for LeBron to pick up whoever he wants after that. But even after that, that, it's like so he picks Giannis first, so then Durant picks Kyrie. Then you know LeBron has the pick between a bunch of guys. He he can get like Curry, he can get Luca, he can get Jokic. You know he picked all of those guys. Um, Durant, his next pick would have been Embiid. you know, that's that's a that's a solid pick. I think there, yeah, I may I may go Doncic there, but like Bradley Beal and Tatum were pick eight and nine, mm-hmm. so that's what, that's what he was. That's what Katie was left with. Here, I'll, I got I just have I'm not saying I remember it. I'm reading off it right now. So how it went was one was Giannis, two was Kyrie, three was Curry, four was Embiid, five was Luca, six was Kawhi, seven was Jokic, and then eight and nine were Beal and Tatum. So mm-hmm. I think I think the play of LeBron going first and, and forcing KD to pick Kyrie, Durant wasn't left with as much after that. After you, after Giannis, Steph, and Kyrie are off the board, I mean, you kind of need a you need a big man. So mm-hmm. it's either between Jokic and Embiid. I think Embiid's having a better season, Jokic, but Jokic is, you know, same season by himself. So I, I don't know if you pick because is a team really going to pick both centers? No, I would pick Luca over Embiid in the in the All Star game. Yeah, like you you don't like you can leave it up to the other team to pick a you know pick the center at that point. Centers don't, don't matter in All Star game. You go for best player available probably more than that, but I don't Except know. Except for last year's All Star game, pretty competitive defense mattered down the stretch. Embiid's a little bit better defender than Jokic. Embiid may clutch up down the stretch. Think about the passing of that starting five for Team LeBron, dude. Yeah. After that, I mean, it's kind of a toss-up, but I think Durant's – we would talk about um, – Durant, Durant definitely went for the 1v1 scorers here. He went for the, the ISO players. He's got Kyrie, Kawhi, Tatum, Embiid, and Beal. And then, but I think Durant won the reserves. Durant had a much Harden. better – He had Harden. Yeah. yeah, so that's a huge win. Booker, Zion, Levine, Randall. I mean, and LeBron got Dane, which is insane. But Simmons, Chris Paul, Jalen Brown, Paul George, guys. And I don't know. We're not going to be playing as many. I don't think it's. I don't think it's that huge of a mismatch. Um, obviously Harden is the big deciding factor. He's the needle mover, probably. But I mean, should have been Zion, Levine, Randall, Vucevic. Mitchell. I mean, Zion's having a great year. More, more the, more the last. 
Levine, Randall, Vucevic, Mitchell, eh, it's fine. I mean, a lot of those guys were my fringe guys anyway. Oh. For, for the All-Star. You're a guy who says Zach Levine and Julius Randle are fringe guys. When They were fringe guys, but they deserve their spot wholeheartedly. No doubt. They're having great seasons. Okay. But, like, as All far right. as a talent perspective, like, come on. Like, so, team LeBron, 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 I think LeBron, LeBron got Lillard. He got, you know, yeah. Simmons is pretty good at All-Star sure. games. Chris yeah. Paul, obviously, great player. Jalen Brown is having a fantastic season. Paul George, Sabonis, Gobert, meh. I just think, like, the last the last four, Brown, Paul George, Sabonis, Gobert, better than Levine, Randall, Vucevic, Mitchell. But obviously those guys won't play as much anyway, so it's not that big of a deal. Harden, right. Harden is going to be their main. Harden should have been a starter. Yeah, honestly, he should have. He should have been a starter over Beal. Over Beal or Tatum. Yeah, or Tatum. I agree. Probably over, I mean, I don't know. Pretty close with him and Kyrie, too. I, just, I don't understand how Harden didn't become a starter. I think, I think it's because, like, when they started voting, like, I don't know, Kyrie had a really good start to the year, and then, like, Harden joined the East a little later, and then Harden's, like, first. But even his first game, he dropped a triple-double, so I don't, I don't understand how he's not a starter. He's so he's so he's a top five player easily in the NBA. So. Definitely a way you for sure. So yeah, yeah. Um, let's move on to um, the two final players in the draft for both the Jazz uh, All Star representatives, Mitchell and Gobert. Um, and this came yeah. the day after Gobert uh, wrote up some statement complaining about the refs and how the Jazz were disrespected by the league. And then LeBron goes, yeah, I need some size here, so I think I'm going to pick uh, Sabonis. <laughs> Five inches shorter. That's uh, I love it. I'm big, big Rudy Gobert hater, so this brings a... Uh, Bring a smile to my heart, you know. I hate Gobert for taking COVID lately to be the super spreader. So, yeah, I mean that's I that's one Jazz of many did. reasons to hate whiny Rudy Gobert. But I think the Jazz do get disrespected, but every small market team gets disrespected in the NBA. Yeah, and the refs have been that across the board this year. They did disrespect the Golden State a lot, a lot of times. So it's, I don't think the refs are singling out the Jazz. Yeah, the refs have just been bad this year. Worse than in prior years. Well, I think the Jazz get disrespected because, um, you know, for a couple reasons. They always are... Always lose in the first round of the playoffs. They always lose in the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> They're always a top team, usually in the West, um, at least, like, in the upper echelon most years. Um, kind of like the Bucks. Gobert know. disappears in the playoffs all the time. Yeah, you know, the, the Bucks they have a similar syndrome, but the Bucks have made it farther than the Jazz, Much too. Easter Conference Finals. Yeah, so... Two years ago. I mean, and plus, Jazz fans are easy to hate and make fun of, because oh, a yeah. lot of them are, you know... They're, they're, they're probably one of the worst fan bases in the league. <laughs> Easily. I thought it was also funny, you know, we've gone way over on this podcast, and we haven't been disciplined about our time, so sorry if we're dragging on, but um, when Jeff LeBron was... At, it's like an hour and a half. Probably. Have you started at ten fifteen? Oh, what time is it now? So oh, no. we're right on track. We're good. We're, we're good to go. 
Um, last thing on this is LeBron was just like, hey, when we were growing up, we weren't picking Malone and Stockton. Like, Malone and Stockton, one of the best duos of all time. And, and you never picked them in 2K because they criminally underrate how physical Stockton was. Mm-hmm. Like, they think Stockton, if he just runs in, if he, like, crosses half court, he's going to turn the ball over, which is ludicrous. <laughs> it's like Stockton, you can't play Stockton. Then Hornacek is like, like, you can't play Hornacek. Byron Russell had no shot. And then Malone just doesn't fit in the 2K game because no one's taking a mid-ranger with Malone. And no one knows how to do post moves in 2K. The Jazz, though, a hell of a team and pushed Jordan to six games and pushed the Rockets in the Western Conference Finals a lot of those years. Just don't get the respect they deserve. Partly because they never want to chip and partly because they're just so underrated by game developers. Call me, you know, old-fashioned, but I, I'm kind of a... I'm a post guy in 2K. I like uh, putting my my back to the block and uh, making <laughs> making some moves. <laughs> you do. Ben does have some of the nastiest post moves in 2K, but he couldn't handle Trail Isles one night when I was on my prime. But I will say Ben uses post moves more than any other person I know, especially the driving spin move to the, ba- the spin, spin move to the baseline. Yeah, but they do, disres- they do disrespect posters. that team. In, oh, they definitely oh, yeah. disrespect that team in 2K. I would not pick that team ever because, yeah. No. I don't think we ever pick Malone stock. Even though Malone is the second best, second, second most points of all time, the mailman, um, is the hell of a player in his own right, though. Did get into it with. I would rather I would rather have Ricky Rubio than John Stockton in that game. It's insane. <laughs> and and Stockton is one of the most underrated point guards of all time. No one's going to break his assist record. Zoo was averaging ten assists a game when he was like thirty five. Never left the team. Just stayed on the same team until he, until he didn't want to average ten assists anymore. Yeah. All right, let's move on to uh, the rest of our uh, show here. We've been we've been talking about our news and all-stars for a big chunk of it. Um, let's, let's get to the meat and potatoes. Let's get into the meat and potatoes. The Delhi desktop. Zach, what do you have for us today? I, I have good news, Ben. In the Delhi desktop. Since we last talked, Matthew Delvadova was seen sporting a navy blue hoodie on the sidelines. And he has been seen talking with players, coaching them up. So, like we talked about before the season, we talked about how I, was, I wanted him to see him on a contender. I wanted to see him. He still has minutes left. And you're like, I think he's transitioning more into that coaching part of his role, uh, his career. And I'm reading, I was reading an article, and like, as, it was like, as much as he wanted to give the Cavs meaningful minutes this year, <laughs> he has transitioned to more a coach for the team. So I was like, ah! But, which is, which is great. And what's, what's cool is in these post-game interviews, Sexton talks about his leadership um, and being a coach. Derek, uh, Garland talks about him, like, talk, like, he, after one certain play where he told Garland to rotate on a certain play, Garland, like, pointed at him, running on the court, and said, that one's for you. Like, it's so nice to see Della Vadova. Um, and then Sexton was talking about, oh, I definitely see him as a coach after he retires. Like, I, th- I think he's going to be great for this league. So it's good to see Della Vadova respected by his peers as much as he's respected by, by us around here. And, um, you he know. the first Australian coach in the NBA? Quinn Snyder. Um, Is he Australian, really? I have no, I have no idea. Oh, okay. So you just blowing smoke out your ass. All right. 
Ever since Delavidova came back on the sideline and donned his navy blue hoodie, the Cavs went on a four-game win streak. And they almost beat the Pacers last night. Lost and, they're, and they're still 13th in the East. Which brings me back to a point you said earlier. Um, Delhi was looking forward to playing meaningful minutes on this Cavs team. There's no there such thing as meaningful minutes on the 2021 Cleveland Cavs. Oh, okay. I'm talking about like a, a meaty 15 minutes a game. <laughs> a, nice little, no, we, a nice little six points. And uh, three assists, shooting a solid 36% clip from behind the arc. His assist-to-turnover ratio over the last nine games last year was was absolutely ludicrous. For 36, he was like 11. Over the last nine games, he was absolutely playing John Stockton. You know, per per 72 minutes, Deli was actually averaging uh, 25 points per game. Yeah, you got to factor in overtime for 60 minutes. <laughs> the uh, the Wilt Chamberlain rule uh, for yeah. 53 minutes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Only player who will ever average over 48 minutes a game. Incredible. He was mental. But back to Delhi real quick. Absolutely, he should be on a contender. No question <laughs> about it. He should have that Jason Terry role that uh, Jason Terry had with that Bucks team. Couple years ago, not the shooter. Being the wily oh. veteran. No, with the. Bu- I thought you were talking about Mavericks. Jason <laughs> no, about the wily veteran. I see him as Jason Kidd on the Mavericks. <laughs> Come on, playing good, good twenty minutes. Right? Him as Brandon Bass on the Celtics. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Zach. Uh, what is your bonus fry baller this week? The part of the show where we talk about. A player that is outperforming what you'd expect, the bonus fry at the bottom of the bag. So I'm going to throw in stats out the window. Purely on I test the law. Fuck analytics for this segment. Okay. Yeah. I I test Twitter, you know, listen up. I test Twitter. They don't have a Twitter because they're all 75. No, they have. They just, they comment under every post that anybody has stats in and they complain about how, you know, that's not real. Watch real basketball. It's true. There's part of me that sides with those boys. I, <laughs> I, I want to march with them and, and with pitchforks and storm the castle just as much as they do. But this segment the is this seg- no, not not what I said. Um, so this bonus fry baller, Alex Russo. Alex now, we could talk about his defense. We could talk about his defense. We could talk about his per 36. We could talk about his just ability to – to, to to lock in in the playoffs last year. But what he's done over the last week, Ben, has just blown me away. I'm talking about his re- most recent Manscaped commercial. <laughs> Dude, he got a commercial for Manscaped, he's, and he shaved he his head. Manscaping his head, yeah. Yeah, it's totally <laughs> bald. They should make LeBron do a Manscaped commercial when he finally shaves his head. Hey, he got his hairline back for... Uh, uh, Space Jam. So, yeah, they they had to do uh, look, put in long hours in the hair and makeup department. To make <laughs> that happen, but. That's why it's been delayed by two years. Yeah. <laughs> it's bad. I saw a TikTok of a of a bench player like when LeBron like messed up his hair for a second. A bench mm-hmm. player stood up and told LeBron to like pat his hair down, <laughs> and LeBron patted his hair that. down because it's part of his hair. I sent it to you. 
Um, yeah. But bonus five ball in the bag. Alex Caruso for for getting the and shaving his head. Yeah, get getting the bag with, of the manscapes. With a tool that's supposed to shave your head. Um, I didn't mean to try that. So, because oh, okay. it's Caruso approved. Well, you know, every podcast has a manscaped ad, so maybe we can. I know. <laughs> maybe we can finally enter that echelon of podcast uh, competence and get our first sponsor from Manscaped. I can't wait <laughs> to read that. Like, this is to be able to read that what, what they have in front of us. The yeah. script. Okay. The, uh, little, the little script. Yeah. Read that one there. Oh. Well. Um, Let's uh, move on to the last segment of the show. We got one mailbag question uh, from our listener, okay. uh, Sam Moore. Uh, so his question is, in theory, if the Bucks re-sign Drew Holiday, because Drew Holiday is uh, he, the date where you could officially sign him again, re-sign him, uh, just happened two days ago, I think. If you were to, in theory, re-sign Drew Holiday, which I think the Bucks would, is there any possible two-for-one superstar swap they can make for Holiday and Middleton that would make sense and be worth it? Um, this is a pretty common sentiment that gets thrown around a lot. Um, I just, I don't think there's a guy out there that's available that the Bucks could get and make a real difference. I think that... Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton is the best that it's going to get at this point. Um, I think they're both really, really good players. Um, and I think they both make the team better in different ways. Um, they're both top, you know, 15 to 20 players in the league, I think. Um, and Giannis is a top three player in the league, I think. So, you know, I think this is about as good from a talent perspective as you're going to get. I don't think you can consolidate those two into one guy that's going to be available. Now, granted, like, superstars become available for a variety of reasons over the course of a season or two for whatever reason. That guy could come along. But, you know, there aren't too many players that I think would be that difference maker that could put the Bucks over the edge um, that are actually likely to be available. Like... Dame Lillard's a guy that comes to mind where, like, I would love if, you know, the opportunity would be there to get him, and I think he'd be worth a Holiday and Middleton package. But at the same time, he's not leaving Portland anytime soon, I don't think. You know, he's been true blue from the start, and he's never given any, you know, inkling that he would do any different. Um, you know, Chris Paul is a guy that was talked about for the Bucks you know, last couple years, but they've got Drew Holiday now. He's a younger version of him. Obviously, Chris Paul's, you know, more of a distributor, but, you know, Holiday's a way better defender, um, and he's a great scorer. They've, he's got more years on him. So I just – there's not too many guys out there that I think would make sense to, you know, swap Holiday and Middleton for at this point. Yeah, and then, you know, looking at the 2021 free agents, Chris Paul is a free agent, but that's thinking that Chris Paul is going to sign with you, even, you know. Um, and do you want to aging Chris Paul on a, on a large deal? Or not large deal, but probably it's not like an um, expensive one-year deal. Um, mm-hmm. And you see Kawhi Leonard's going to be available. 
But after Chris Data locked up Paul George, it's doubtful that he's going to leave. But maybe he's unsatisfied with the way that they're kind of underperforming-ish. Um, but think, like you said... Do you think he would go to the Bucks either, though, anyway? Like, it's not a real probably possibility. Not. Probably not. Um, you know, I think Harden would have... Like, Harden, the way Harden's playing right now would be the absolute best fit for mm-hmm. you you guys and he would fit every team the way he's playing right now any any player who's who can score as easily as he can and then who's such a willing passer what was interesting is after one of like his first two games he's just like i gotta get my point guard skills back and it was just it's it's crazy to see like not crazy but this is what we talked about is that he can do he's he's one of the players on that team that has had the ball in his hands and has distributed so i think harden would be like the perfect player for you guys but he's not going to be available um I think your 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 team is better built for the postseason than the regular season. I think that guys on your team that have been to the regular season and had the regular season success know it really doesn't matter. And I think that, you know, with the Drew injury now, that you guys aren't – I don't know. I think you guys are built for the playoffs. You're gonna, your defense is going to tighten up a lot more. And um, I just don't like Middleton being that guy. When Giannis is getting walled off and you ask Middleton – He's going to do it one, one or two games a series, but he can't do it every game. That's why you have Drew Holiday. I think That's Drew Holiday that. is the yeah. answer to that. You know, I think Drew Holiday is the other guy that you can lean on. He's going to be able to get points for you. He's going to be able to get, you know, a shot for you when you need it. It's not going to be the defense walling off Giannis and then you relying 100% on Chris Middleton because they can key in on two guys. It's a lot harder for a defense to key in on yeah. three guys. And the Bucks didn't have that type of player – ever before like Bledsoe theoretically was supposed to be that guy but he never showed up in the playoffs and even in the regular season he's not that type of scorer that you can just like rely on consistently Drew Holiday can be that type of scorer and he's he can be he can be but when you have Giannis and Chris on the same team it's going to be one two three and Drew, Drew will probably be three so how many times they're going to be if you know they get in that fourth quarter when they're signing it's going to be Giannis trying a few times, Chris trying a few times, and if they both get stopped, then it's, it's Drew's turn is, is almost skipped because now you're out of the game. And I'm not saying that's going to happen every time. I'm not saying that's the blueprint. I'm just saying that Drew being the third third guy with Middleton being the second guy and Middleton not being that absolute elite scorer that he, like in the playoffs that can take over a game. But how many players can be? I just think it hurts you guys having Middleton as the second guy it helps you in certain regards because he's still a really good player and a super efficient player. But I think when it comes, push comes to shove, he's just not a guy who can win a one-on-one consistently. And he relies on his shot more than he relies on his, on separating, which doesn't, which doesn't allow the defense to collapse into him and great, great shots for his teammates. So I think, I think Middleton's athleticism holds him back in terms of being a better player, but he's almost like a poor man's version of DeRozan in my opinion. Who's a much better three, much better three-point shooter than DeRozan, but he's a little bit—he's better than DeRozan overall. He's a better defender. He's a better passer. He's a better shooter. The only thing DeRozan uh, was better at was athleticism and maybe going to the rack. He's a better shooter than DeRozan. I meant he's a poor man than DeRozan in terms of athleticism. I think they have a similar game, but Middleton's a little bit more hampered by his athleticism. But DeRozan wishes he could shoot like Middleton, so. From three. And pass. I mean, Middleton's just a really solid basketball player. I just don't think he's a number two guy on a championship winning team. I don't but think he's. I'm not saying I don't think impossible. you can win. I don't think you can win with him being 
the number two and then having a clear number three. But Drew Holiday, I think, is like they're both like two A and two B. Like I don't think it's like a clear like one two three pecking order with the Bucks. It's Giannis and then two top fifteen to twenty players. Like Drew Holiday can do things that Chris Middleton can't do, and Chris Middleton can do things that Drew Holiday can't do. Like Drew Holiday can bend to the defense and you know make the pass, the outlet pass out to an open shooter like Chris Middleton, who could be standing behind the arc, hit, knock down an open shot, and then you have Giannis with the rim gravity. Like Drew Holiday is bending the defense from a playmaking for others role more than Middleton could. And the Bucks were missing that last year. You're right. Like you'd be relying on Middleton taking a contested, you know, three or, you know, backing his back to the basket, doing a one-on-one move. And that's your offense when the, you know, defense seals off Giannis. But with Drew Holiday, you know, you can run him in the pick and roll. You can, you know, have him, you know, create advantages off the dribble and, you know, kick it out to open shooters or kick it to Giannis or, you know, throw the lob. Like, he can he can hit tough shots on in his own right, like Middleton can. Probably not he to can. the degree. But, like, he was averaging 28 points per game in that Pelican series with Anthony Davis. He is not, like, yeah. some guy who's just, you know, a simple floor think, general. I'm just saying, I think if it comes down to it, in the playoffs, that's how it would be because Milton's the veteran. Milton's, I. But the point is, is um, we're saying said, no. Said there's no real no. guy out there. I think that you can get so. Unless you can, unless you're thinking that you're not going to re-sign Drew and you're going to sign Kawhi, unless you got to pitch for Kawhi. Yeah, there's. But you don't. The folks aren't signing top free agents. Like so you got to lock on to what you got. That's what you're saying. Yeah, and there's no trade out there for a player that's available right now that the Bucks could make to make them better. So, I mean, until that player comes along, I mean, Holiday and Middleton, I think, are enough to win you a championship with Giannis if you have the right coach and the right scheme and the right supporting cast. Not saying you even have to have a crazy good supporting cast, but you just have to utilize them correctly. So, I think the Bucks can win a championship. If AD doesn't come back healthy, and um, the Sixers and Nets beat each other up in the Eastern Conference Finals, as in you're telling if you're asking me those semifinals, if you're asking me right now, I think the the Bucks are better than the Sixers still. That's no, I was saying like I'm not saying that the Bucks are worse or better than the Sixers. I was just saying I think that the Nets and Bucks. I'm saying the the way the Bucks can make the finals is if AD doesn't come back, and that like. The, the Nets and, and um, Sixers play each other in, like, the semifinals before they play, and, like, the Bucks and Celtics play. I don't know how that would all work out, but, like, if the if the Sixers and Nets beat each other up before they play the Bucks, I think the Bucks can steal a series off them. And then the West is pretty weak without without the late show there. So, um, I mean, they're, they're, they're not top-heavy. They're a bunch of good teams, but not one that's dominant. So, um that's how I can see that the Bucks win the championship. But if you're facing a healthy Nets team, I don't, I don't see how you can win, how you can win that. Mm-hmm. Well, we could talk about that in another podcast. Yeah. So uh, that wraps up this episode of the Backseat GM podcast. Um, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Backseat GM Pod. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Simplecast. Um, and soon to be a couple other platforms I've been working on so that uh, if you listen to podcasts oh. in any other way, we can hopefully get you a couple more options available. So um, until next time, I'm Ben. Thank you, Zach. I'm Zach. Thank you, Ben.